I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, what do you got there? This is the new Ping G430 Max 10K driver. It's next level. I'll tell you, it's so impressive. We all know that Ping help you play your best. I've been using them for years. I wouldn't use anything else. In fact... This new driver, it's Ping's straightest and highest moment of impact driver ever. Holy moly. So on the course, what's that going to mean? How's it going to help golfers? Well, to put it simply, it means people are going to be hitting longer, straighter, and they're going to absolutely crack their drives off the tee. I could talk about it all day. It's that good. But the best thing to do if you want to check out how impressive Ping's new G430 Max 10K driver is, Just book in with your local golf shop or professional to arrange a ping club fitting and I'll see you out there with my ping gear. It's week 25 of the golfing calendar. And after a big few days of late nights and very early mornings watching the US Open, it's a sleep-deprived Nick O'Hearn today at the Cathedral Golf Course in Victoria and an equally sleep-deprived Mark Allen today in Canberra. So, if the tech works, let's get talk birdie to me underway. Now, we're normally doing this from Golf Australia headquarters, but we're all over the joint, so fingers crossed this works pretty well because that was a fantastic major championship of golf. Nick, I know I've been watching you tweeting. I've been seeing yeah. little WhatsApp messages. I know you loved it as well. I live for the majors. You know, it's so good. Having played in US Opens and, and knowing what it's like um, back nine on Sunday and to have a chance, uh, it's just such a cool, you know, any major really is such a cool tournament. And and I felt for Wyndham Clark, I mean, those last couple of holes, kind of knowing you needed to make two fours and just happened to be a couple of the toughest holes on the golf course and unbelievable how uh, how he held his nerve. But it was just, um, it was a fascinating day, to be honest. I mean, we started off, I thought, I was thinking Ricky Fowler. I just really mm. liked the way he was composed. He uh, he had this kind of, that, that look about him. He was calm, relaxed, had a bit of belief going. Yeah, from the first hole, I mean, it, it almost turned into a bit of the Rory and Wyndham Clark show, didn't it? I mean, Rory, four days in a row, absolutely smoked that tee shot. I think he averaged about 375 to 380 on that first hole, turned it into a short par four, and he got off to exactly the start he, he needed to and, and wanted to. And and Clark's short game was, was just a standout for me, how he kept himself in in the tournament over those 18 holes. Yes, there was some amazing golf in there, but he also hit some ordinary shots and and he made some key clutch up and downs. I mean, who do you want to talk about first, Mark? I mean, because we we need to break this down. No, let's let's talk about Wyndham Clark first because I'm with you. The up and downs were as good as you would ever see when you're actually leading or one-off or whatever, tied at the top of a leaderboard in a major championship with rock-hard greens that you'd ever see. It's mm. as simple as that. I reckon there were six very, very good up and downs. Yep. And I'm putting the 17th hole, even though that was just a little simple chip and putt, I'm putting oh, that no. in that bracket. But <laughs> there were six that were as good as you will see. Now, which one is your, was your favourite? I reckon the is that the fifth little short hole where he 
hook a driver, hit it in the long stuff, and somehow had the touch uh, to hit that ball that wasn't sitting on the ground to three or four feet. Oh, that was on the uh, six hole, the pass six hole, reachable one, right? Yeah, that was a beauty. Made a lovely up and down on the first for birdies. Birdies on one and six, two up and downs. But the standout has to be on 11, the par three, where he hit it long and left, and he's got to hit this high flop shot, almost holds it, hits it to three or four feet. That was unbelievable. And this was sort of in a, a transitional part of the tournament. He was leaning at that stage, but then all of a sudden he gets up on 12, where everyone's been hitting three woods and kind of laying back. And he just smokes driver. I mean, oh, no hesitation. He spoke it about was it in his post-round post interview. He, cut, he took it out up over the tree, just hits this 20-yard cut into the middle of the fairway. And I just thought, right there and then, I thought, okay, this guy's not backing down. He's He's got this moxie about him. And he's trying to win it. He's not trying to, um, you know, just hang on or anything like that. He was going after it. And that was so impressive. And then on 14... Um, you know, to hit that second shot there is just, he'll remember that for the rest of his life. And, and, and maybe that's our top five, you know, top five greatest uh, shots in the US Open because that was one of them, that's for sure. It was just yeah. just an incredible three, what, about 280 yards, hit this two-finger cut, as he called it, off the left-hand bunker. And, <laughs> but again, that hole was really the turning point. You know, Rory, yeah. you look at Rory McIlroy, and, you know, he, he did say afterwards, it, it reminded him a bit of that, Open Championship final round last year when Cam Smith shot lights out and Rory just couldn't seem to hold a putt. But, you know, Rory held, what did he hit, 15 of 18 greens and, and two of those he was just off the edge and he was putting. So really he almost hit every green. He had 34 putts. Um, longest putt he hold was a seven-footer for par, I think, on 16. The, the two three par fives are what cost him. Yeah, the three-putt on, three on the eighth. Well, that, he, that, he, what, he just didn't need that. Him. Yeah, he hit two good shots, just short, hit that uh, putt, what, four feet short, misses that one. And then on 14, it'll be the turning point of the whole tournament where uh, Clark makes birdie, Rory just the wedges, you know, that, that did cost him, I think, uh, to, today and, and this week. He just didn't quite hit the wedges close enough. And, and that one he will be regretting for a while. He got an interesting drop. You know, there was a bit of comment on uh, social media about the embedded ball, but um, fair, fair play. That's, that's fair. That's fair. It was a drop. And when he got that drop, I thought, Maybe he's going to chip this in. He's got, this has got four written all over it, but now he, he didn't hit a great chip and then missed the putt for uh, for par. And it was almost tournament over at that point. Yeah. Hey, before we talk about, because there's so much more, I mean, I want to talk about Ricky, the way he swung the club on the last day, Cam Smith, Minwoo Lee. I want to talk about that Gordon Sargent as well, because something happened to him <laughs> on the 72nd hole yeah. that should never, ever, ever happen. But we'll get to that. But when Wyndham Clark, I heard some of the commentators and I actually heard him talking about it, you know, uh, I think way back when he won at Quail Hollow. And there was a point in time when he was in college in qualifying. He couldn't qualify at Oklahoma State. Now, I've, I've seen players like this. At, at Texas Tech, this is way back in the 80s, you've got yourself a full ride, which is a full scholarship. At that stage, it was $30,000 a year uh, to go to Texas Tech. Um, and I saw players in tears because they'd bogeyed the last couple of holes and they'd missed another trip somewhere, wherever it might have been. And these guys were on full scholarships and walk-ons were beating them. So, you know, we were going away with walk-ons. Um, and I saw what it did to these guys because the pressure of one not making the team when you're on full scholarship is enough. But then you know that two years ago, this coach that's coaching now got rid of kids because they couldn't play. And all of a sudden, their education that you know was being paid for was gone. And when I hear Wyndham Clark talk about 
those days, those dark days where he couldn't qualify at Oklahoma State. Now, you know as well, Nick, Oklahoma State is a PGA Tour machine. It just churns mm. players out one after another. But even so, when you look at the way he played at Quail Hollow, uh, the lead up to Quail Hollow, and just the guts that he showed with those up and downs all day today when the spotlight was really glaring on him, it's just hard mm. to imagine that he couldn't qualify for his college team. <laughs> it, I just can't imagine it. Yeah, there's you know, he's come so far. Yeah, and you look at his you know results lately in his last eight starts, four top sixes. I mean, he's been playing some incredible golf. Yeah, there was a couple of moments where you go, this guy is pretty cool. I mean, that club twirl on the last hole yesterday in the third round, um, that was just an epic. That was club incredible. That was one of the best I've ever seen where he stiffs it, hits the flag, makes birdie to get into the last group with Ricky. That was such a key moment, I thought. And then the other bizarre thing I saw today, and not too many pros do this, he gets up on the par three, fourth hole, and uh, he just drops his ball on the ground and just kind of rolls it into a nice spot and hits a five iron. He didn't even tee the thing up. It was just mm. unbelievable. It was yeah. as though he's just having a practice round with his mates. So when you Incredible. see that, how comfortable he felt out there. And, and to his credit, um, you know, he hasn't had a coach for the last 18 months. That's another amazing thing. He just he, he said after the, the round in the interview that he felt like he started to own his game. He could own his ball flight again. And since he doesn't have a coach, you know, which is an incredible thing to say. And, and, and his caddy helps line him up and things like that. I'm not, you know, the lining up of putts and that, I'm, I'm still a bit you know, wary of that. And that's obviously they're not breaking any rules. They changed that rule a few years ago. But uh, that for me is a bit, a bit off-putting. But, um, but his caddy did slow him down nicely in those key moments towards the end as well. John Ellis, he did a great job on his bag. Now, you and I have been communicating on WhatsApp uh, most of that last round, and you saw something in Rory's putting. You mentioned before mm. he had 34 putts. I reckon you, you've seen it before. We know that Brad Faxon is his coach, but I'm, I'm, you haven't told me what you saw. Uh, I'm dying <laughs> to know. Well, I thought I might do the masterclass later on. I'm going to get out on the putting green later and just do it. But I'll, you know, we can do it. But we can do an early masterclass. Yeah, let's do an early like, masterclass. Absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that I, I notice, you know, with I, I look at a various things and, you know, I've spoken about Rory's routine and, and, and I think over the ball he takes on full shots, four or five looks, and I'd love for him to cut that down to two looks, just be a mm. bit more reactionary. But that's beside the point. On, on the putting, he is a bit more reactionary. I like it. But when he's over the ball especially on longer putts, watch the way he rotates his head to look at the line. He doesn't rotate his head where his right ear goes under, it goes around. Yes, I've so, noticed it too. Yeah, so, and I've never seen a great putter do that with their head. I remember someone, it might have been Tom Watson years ago talking about it, or maybe Ben Crenshaw saying, no great putter ever rotates their head that way. They, it's very hard to see the line. So the way... I, I think for, for Rory, a great thing for him to help him get out of that might be to lower his right shoulder at his setup. That'll tilt him down a little bit. I mean, an exaggerated viewpoint of that is Jack Nicholas, the way he used to set up to really crouch over it and get that right ear low and he's and he's tilting his in his in his head as he set up to the putts. But it's more about how you rotate your head uh, while looking down the line. I think the way he rotates it, he doesn't see the line effectively. Whereas if you rotate it 
with your right ear going lower rather than staying at the same level as the left ear, especially on longer putts, I think you see the line so much better. And um, I'll throw a, a little masterclass video on our socials later on, but that's the one thing I've noticed with him. And the thing with Rory today is he didn't hit the ball badly. He didn't putt that badly. He didn't just ma- he didn't make anything. At the end of the day, he didn't hit it close enough for sure. But there comes a point where you need to make that 12, 15, 18, 20 footer in the US Opens or major championships to win. You know, you spoke then about Rory, and I reckon I've I've seen young players that I've helped with their putting before do exactly the same thing. Mm. And what I think Rory is doing is he wants the view of the hole, and his head tilts that way, and he wants his eyes being straight so he can see the ball rolling. But yep. what he doesn't understand is that doesn't help him get the ball started on the tracks. You know, I reckon if you are just focused on starting the ball on the tracks, it's like, it's almost impossible to get your head to go mm. that way because you're just seeing that line or seeing a spot that's in front of the hole. And if you're not so focused on the end result, if you're just focused on starting the ball on the tracks, I think it's much easier to get the head to do what you want the head to do. Yeah. It seems like Rory's up and wants to see... Yeah, and and that that almost changes his – yeah, it almost makes his uh, shoulders open up as he's looking at the line. He's sort of coming up and out of it as he's looking in a way. I mean, it's not that dramatic a a move. It's very, very slight. And it's just one of the little things I've seen him do all all along, and I thought – but something doesn't look right here, and then the more I looked at it, and then today it just kind of went, yep, okay, he's, he's not rotating his head in the, in the right fashion, I don't think. I mean, again, he probably thinks he's doing it great in facts, and I'm sure he's, he's one of the best putters of all time. Probably, they're probably aware of it, and they don't even worry about it. But that's just something I've picked up on, it, and it would be fascinating to get him rotating his head correctly. And as you say, Mark, just get that ball starting on the right line because every now and then he just seems to come up and out of it a little bit. The left shoulder opens up and, and tends to miss it on the high side or the left side basically a lot. Well, that, well then you're relying on your hands. You're, you're relying mm. on your, you know, your athleticism. And, and, and I've just written this down. You said being reactionary. And mm-hmm. Wyndham Clark's caddy, he just kept on saying, go and be an athlete. You know, yeah. that was oh, – I'd love that. When, when yep. the caddy was talking, and it's funny, you know, I, I had the drive to the airport today and I was listening to the radio commentary in my car from home to the airport. And I'm telling you, the, the radio commentary at the US Open was so good because you got to hear what the caddies were saying all the time. And Wyndham Clark's caddy, who's played in a couple of US Opens himself, mm. mind you, um, he kept on saying that. You know, it wasn't like a picking at a spot. It wasn't swing smooth. It was come on, be an athlete. And I, I, I've never heard that a caddy say those things before, Nick. But it's very much what you preach, which is to be reactionary and, and don't worry about your swing so much. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely spot on. We've spoken about this before. Where it's like a free throw shooter. You're at the line in basketball. You want to see the room and react rather than stand there, look and think about it. And and that's the hard part about golf is because the ball is stationary. It's not moving. Every other sport, the ball moves. And in those other sports, the hardest part from a mental standpoint is when play stops, like a free throw or a mm. set shot on goal in the AFL or a or a or a punter or something like that in the NFL and, and all that sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things. But again, with all that, you know, with what I was talking about, Rory with his putting, if he had just played eight and fourteen, the two par fives, two putt from the front of the green, hit his wedge on on fourteen and make yep. par, he yep. wins the golf tournament. Yep. So, gosh, he must be frustrated right now. That's for sure. 
Hey, can we speak about Ricky Fowler as well? Now, I know he shot a 75 and, and we've spoken about his first shot and I watched the first tee shot as well. And after watching Rory just bomb at 370 four <laughs> days straight on the first or three days straight on the first, whatever whatever his first tee shot was, it was it was different. You know, you, you just didn't know what was going on. And Butch Harmon's been coaching Ricky. And what I've noticed just from a million miles away is his shaft lines are getting a lot neater under Butch. Mm. And, you know, the shaft goes up and comes down and it kind of looks like it's doing the same thing. And and that was happening rounds one, two, and three. But round four, I don't know what happened, but the shaft lines were all, were all over the place again. It, it was old Ricky swing. And you fix it, you fix it, you fix it, you fix it. But when you were leading the US Open in the last round, do you trust it? And I just don't think... Well, you could just see it. I mean, I reckon Ricky Fowler will go back and look at these swings and he'll go, oh, God, you know, that, that's nothing like how I was swinging the first three days. So there's still a little bit of work to go, but I'll tell you what, there is life. There is light and life for Ricky Fowler. I think he's well and truly back now. Hopefully he doesn't get hung up on, on the 75 that he shot on the last day when you're leading a tournament like a US Open. Yeah, well, the best players that you know they learn from these things, and he'll he'll look back, go over the round, and go, well, where were my mistakes today? How was I feeling? And as you point, you know, he did it for the first three days really well. He executed nicely. First three days, he still made a lot of bogeys, but he made a lot of birdies. The difference today was he only made two birdies and he made seven bogeys. He was three mm-hmm. over through six, and he was behind the eight ball from the get go. And if he'd have got off to a nice solid start, just you know, make five or six pars to begin. It would have probably been a different story, but it is Sunday of the US Open and it does funny things to your biorhythms and the way you swing the golf club and, and how you go about that process. Um, and, and then the other guy that, you know, <laughs> again, watching uh, the, the grouping of Rory and Scheffler. What Watching those two on the greens today, it was just like they're, they're, they're sword fighting out here. You know, they're hitting, they're <laughs> flushing the ball. Scheffler she, somehow missed everything and still finished third. It was the most yeah. bizarre round ever. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't even think Scheffler hit it that good. I don't think he yeah. hit it well, and I don't think he putted well, and yet he <laughs> shot 70 in the last day and finished third. It's crazy. There's so, there's so much upside for what he's doing. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah, I mean, all week, if he just puts average, he, he he would have won this thing by three or four. But he, every time I watched him today, he, uh, he, he couldn't buy a putt, couldn't make anything. So it was, uh, but shows you how good the guy's playing. He hasn't finished outside the top twelve in his last, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen starts. Now it's it's insane golf, and you know it's just he's on a run where uh, things are going nicely. And if he happens to sort out the putting, which to him he doesn't think he's doing too much, but I think a nice little putter change might be the way to go. Just something different. Yeah, um, and when when you know, just put it put it away for for a week or two. Just put, put it on the uh, put it on notice. It's in the naughty corner for a little while, then bring it back out a little bit later. Those things well, happen. Speaking about putters, well, if you're going to have a putter change right now, I mean, Wyndham and Ricky Fowler have got exactly yeah. the same putter. They they copied <laughs> that from Ricky's caddy. So just ridiculous. So if you're looking for a, a new putter, uh, Scotty, um, you might have to get Taylor made to make yourself. Uh, something like Wyndham and, and Rory had. Incredible. Yeah. Hey, uh, let's talk about Aussies too. Cam Smith, yes. uh, you, you, were, you were spot on. If he was ever going to win a US Open, this was the course mm. he was going to win on. And his last round was terrific, wasn't it? Oh, it was him and Minwoo Lee. I mean, they both shot 67s, three under, which is three under, three under par, past 70. It looked for a little while when, you know, I was thinking, okay, if he can just somehow birdie these last three holes, he might be in with a sniff here, but 
and you would never put it past him the way he putts, but he just didn't quite hit the ball well enough, I don't think. Just missed. I mean, the fairways were generous. He hit the ball great coming down the stretch, but just through the middle part of the round. Although it was a little hard to follow. We didn't see much of Cam, unfortunately. All men would. We don't ever see him, uh, you know, when they're making a birdie putt or a nice putt for par. But that's... Uh, Minwoo's first top five in a major, which is awesome for him. Mm. Uh, Cam just keeps putting good rounds together and look out for him at uh, Hoylake, I think, coming up. And then the other guy who, you know, real, not, non, non-Australian, but Tommy Fleetwood, that's 63. Oh. Um, with a missed, what did he miss, a four or five-footer on the last for a 62. Yeah, that, that would have really got up Johnny Miller's nose, I reckon, then, because uh, <laughs> I think he, he, well, he still got up his nose because he ties, uh, he beats Miller now for the uh, only person who's had 63 on Sunday at a US Open twice. So Miller only did it once. But uh, the thing with Johnny is he, he does have major championships and, and Fleetwood doesn't. But a hell of an effort to uh, to do that after last week at the Canadian Open as well. Hey, uh, you just said Minwoo Lee had a top five finish. Now, you know this better than most. That top five finish is very valuable, even though Minwoo's in the top 50. If he drops out of the top 50 with that top five, he'll probably still get in all the majors next year, won't he? He probably will, yeah. There are some categories where they go, okay, top, like at, at Augusta, I think it's now top 12 gets you <laughs> top into 12. next year. Used to be top 16. I would think the Open or the or, or the US Open could be top six gets you into the majors, things like that. So, uh, but he'll, you know, the way he's playing and, 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 and how he performed, I thought was just so impressive for such a young young man. His length this week was just incredible, some of the distances he was hitting it, but uh, kind of felt a very Australian golf course for us Aussies. It was just a shame only two of them uh, made the cut and played the weekend. But um, overall, I thought LACC just put up a great showing. You know, they were talking six to ten under par at the start of the week. And with the eight under first rounds, everyone's going, hang on, what's going on here? But we just had to be patient. We knew. I, I felt they could have really firmed it up even a little bit more today. That would have been fun. But uh, the greens were still holding. Um, there were some pretty tough pins, though, like uh, what was it, the one on 17, trying to hit yeah. a long line into that downhill, things like that coming down the stretch. But overall, the course was just, I, I helped, thought it was, it was, it was fantastic. Well, uh, I had it in my top – I had it three in my top five US Open venues before we'd yeah. even played here, and I'm going to leave it at three, but a couple of things have to happen. There has to be more people. It, it didn't feel like a raucous US mm. Open crowd. Now, next time we have it at LACC, uh, I think it's a great venue, and the golf course stacks up, and it's a different kind of US Open golf, which I absolutely loved. But somehow they've got to get more people in there because the players, you know, it didn't feel like a US Open to a lot of them. Um, mm. And we know there's so many people in LA who would have loved to have gone and had a look and you can park your car on the south course, come across the bridge. You don't need to get a bus or anything. I was disappointed that, you know, I think there was a limit, 22,000 per day. I think normally it's about 30,000, 35,000 mm. uh, at, at US Open. So that was disappointing. Um, but, yeah, LACC... It was an absolute belting place, and I, I yeah. want to go play. Like I'm ready to go. I want. Oh, let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's Nick. Get to that one, uh, Riviera and Bel Air. They're, they're the three that George Thomas designed over there. But I, I heard a rumor that a lot of the LACC members bought a lot of tickets so that they could probably yes. keep some of the public off their exclusive golf club. <laughs> I can't believe that. If if that's true, if the LACC if LACC actually bought ten thousand tickets for themselves and never used them, I mean, come <laughs> on, that's not what it's all about. And by the way, you know, with the flyovers and everything, we all understand it now. 
And what a place. Anyway, it's on my list. I, I want to go and play LACC. Hey, we're going to mm-hmm. take a break. That was a great first nine holes. We've still got feedback. Uh, and we've got a top five that I've got to make now, the greatest ever US Open shots. Um, and you've already done your masterclass, but I'm really looking forward to seeing it so so many people can really understand. And then next time they see Rory doing it, they'll say, oh, I saw that on Talk Birdie to me. Nick O'Hearn was very good. <laughs> Grab yourself a toasty and I'll see you on the 10th tee. Well, you know this back nine plays two shots harder, by the way, so we better come <laughs> home strong. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, if you haven't checked out the Golf Clearance Outlet, then you, I can guarantee you this, are missing out. And if you have, well, you know what we're talking about. Great time to drop in because with all the new equipment released in January, good old Sam at the Golf Clearance Outlet is licking his lips because the stores are chock full of 2023 branded clearance product. And you know that was a hell of a year for golf equipment, Nick. You're spot on there, Mark. There's heaps of gear for righties, of course, but as you know, I am a lefty, so there's a heap of gear for lefties Mm. as well, and plenty for both men and women. And if you're after a great Prezi idea, you can get gift cards in-store or online. So if you're looking for great golf gear and great prices, the Golf Clearance Outlet needs to be in your plans to go and check it out. See the team in-store at Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Perth, or online, golfclearanceoutlet.com.au. It's that simple, Nick. Can't wait. Hang on, hang on, Nick. I thought you were righty putting now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, I know you've heard of the Watch My Numbers app. It is brand new, and it is going to dominate the golf app scene for a long, long time. If you want to improve your game, you need to know the areas you're doing well in and where... You need to improve, and this app will tell you exactly that, Nick. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. It's the most powerful database golf app in the world, and it helps analyze and improve your game like never before because it uses real-time data from your rounds and highlights the areas of your game that you want to look at. You get actionable and usable info in minutes, not hours. That's really important. It's easy to use. You can set up your profile very quickly. I've done mine. And start accessing data and subscriber-only content straight away. Hmm. Who's it aimed at? Well, it's aimed at people who want to improve their game. It's for all levels of every golfer out there, particularly powerful if you're a mid to low handicapper. But it's great for the elite level and pros as well. So elite and pros as well. I like that. Watch my numbers. Download it from the App Store and turn your bogeys in the birdies. Like the podcast? Oh, maybe tell a friend. Drop them a text or share it on your socials. This is Talk Birdie to Me with Nick O'Hearn and Mark Allen. Geez, I tell you, this uh, 10th tee in Canberra is very, very cold. It is freezing <laughs> here. How do people live here in Canberra, Nick? I'm telling you, I got off the plane. It was six degrees. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. Ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, how is it at the cathedral? How are you going? Uh, 
Well, I'm near, I'm about 10 minutes away from there. It's, uh, yeah, cold and wet as well, probably about five degrees. So it might even be colder here, mate. <laughs> so you've already given us uh, your masterclass. I've got I a have. top five uh, to get going, and it was the best shots ever hit in a US Open. And I've got to mm-hmm. say, it's a pretty good one. I just did it in two minutes. It was pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, we've got uh, results that we want to get to soon. Uh, but, Dan, uh, we've also got some feedback. Uh, tweets to the editor. Yeah, there's plenty of feedback today. We've got uh, some some good ones. Um, so you want, you want to read them out, and you guys can just yeah. uh, let you know. You know yeah, you can, that sounds you can good. Defend yourselves as it may be. Yes, yes. <laughs> First one. Now this is from uh, David Ogren, who uh, you might remember last week, oh. uh, Mark. <laughs> you called him a mongrel. You did. <laughs> he might not even did. know what a mongrel is there in West Texas. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was harsh. Uh, Nick, Nick, I know I thought it was harsh. Uh, you obviously misbehaving, but David's written. I don't have the foggiest remembrance of this, and I'm not that smart. But if you come to Texas, the beers are on me. <laughs> how did he even know? How did he find that is what I want to know. I mean, you put that out on what Facebook, and somehow someone sent it to him and said, hey, have a look at this. You're a mongrel. <laughs> I reckon they have. It's a globe. Okay. Yeah, I reckon they have. Well, ha- um, have, you re- have you written back to him for me? What, what, what do I look like, your personal assistant? <laughs> well, I'm not on Facebook. I'll, I'll, I'll put a note down, and we'll try and get him on the show. I'd love to talk okay. to him about it. Yeah, sounds good. Um, right. Some feedback on the US Open here, guys. Shane Martin has said, it's too easy for a US Open championship course, and the scores are showing it. I'm guessing that was after day one, probably, uh, when that one was sent through. But um, the USGA, they just have a knack for making it tougher as it goes along, and you know, we were calling six to ten under, and what ended up winning ten under, wasn't it? Ten so under. Um, I thought the course just held up beautifully. And and look, at the end of the day, if if twenty under wins or five over wins, what does it really matter? You just want to identify the identify the best player, as they say. No, tell me this, Nick. To, to that point of uh, that feedback, if there was some rain at LA uh, mm. after day two, and let's say day two and three, for whatever reason it rained, it would have been a twenty under score. Yeah, probably around 16, I'd say, something like that. Yeah, yeah okay. for sure. They um, It would have softened it up because you could tell the greens were a little browned off on the weekend. They certainly firmed them up. Mm. Um, the, you know, the one hole which kind of disappointed me that they were raving about was that short little 15th. They were going to play at 80 yards or something on the Saturday. Rock hard. Players won't be able to stop it on there with a lob wedge, but... Yeah, it was still soft enough that they could. So I was really hoping for some cards, no. but it never resulted. <laughs> it was it was a great hole. And by it the was. way, did you notice three years ago they put in pure distinction greens, which were built in Australia, and, and that's incredible. So the pure distinction greens. How often, how often, Nick, do you see a golf course in California without power greens? So if the mm. pure distinction can keep the power out in California then in my book, they are well, the answer. Well, Pebble Beach, please put them in there. I've please. had three-foot putts at Pebble on power where you hit a good putt and it doesn't even come close to going in. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Got some more feedback here, guys. Uh, Daniel Anderson has said, uh, and I, I heard this too, what is it with the commentators on the TV coverage of the Open every time, if you were playing a drinking game and had to skull every time they said the golf course is hitting back, you'd be smashed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, look, uh, the world feed got knocked around on social media this week. Look, uh, it's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people love it. But for me, I, I don't want to hear the Wikipedia page of each player um, when you see them on the TV. There needs to be more about how to play the game and how to yes. play this situation. It, it, that's just my view. The Wikipedia stuff, I, you know, 
I hear it 15 times. I don't want to hear it 16. Yeah, it's nice to have it every once in a while, but, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? But um, anyway, uh, but the golf course apparently did hit back, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that person uh, had a lot of... Uh, a lot of beverages under their belt as well. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't like hearing that stuff. And the other word that was it kept, kept – well, there's other two was marine layer and baranka. They were the Baranka. They went kept. nuts with baranka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you guys forecast that last week too. Hey, speaking of giving someone a whack, uh, Chris has had a whack at you, Marco. Uh, yes. You were giving uh, – last week you were giving some uh, some tips on who was going to do well and who was going to win. Oh, yeah, Justin Rose went well. Chris <laughs> has said yeah. – Chris has said – you had me at hello, Marco. After listening to Talk Birdie to me, so you've taken us down with you here. After yeah. listening to Talk Birdie to me, I immediately threw him into my top 20 multi and I take full responsibility for it. I think you should too. Yeah, I, I, I've already apologised to Chris on social media. Uh, but listen, I don't know what happened, but keep on looking at Justin Rose. He's swinging the club beautifully. Something good is going to happen with him. Maybe the British Open. We'll see him up there again. He didn't make the cup, did he? He shot 76 the first day and 68 the second day and missed the cut. Mm, I, put a, I, I put 100 bucks on him myself, so I'm disappointed. Yeah, yeah didn't he play with uh, Xander the first – was it Xander the first day? No, it was Ricky, who, and they shot 62 and he shoots 76. He must have yeah, felt like right. a handicapper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a comment from Jeff Vines here on, uh, on uh, Live PGA. The Saudis got what they wanted. They've got no use to live anymore and nor do they care. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's going to happen. I mean, I think there's still going to be a few live-style events, and I wouldn't be surprised if Adelaide gets another one because it really worked quite well in Adelaide. I've said this before. I know people who went there, and they say it's the greatest sporting event they've ever been to in their lives. So I reckon you get a few where it works, but I think some of the other ones where it hasn't worked, I think they'll probably get a bigger field, a more standardised field, and I think you'll see many, many, many more spectators come out and play and watch. Mm. Yeah. Come and, well, I, I hope they come down to Australia and keep getting the biggest players down here. One, the one thing that Liv has got right in that regard is they are contracted to play for Liv, so that means they have to go to their tournaments, whereas mm. That's right. typically if you're a PGA Tour member, you're not contracted, you can go play wherever you want, which is typically why they don't like to travel overseas that much. So in that regard, they got it right. So um, let's see what happens uh, in the schedule because no one knows and, and Jay's no taking knows. a bit of time off. So maybe when he comes back, uh, we'll figure it all out. Uh, plenty more feedback, guys. I'll finish on just these two. Uh, one, th- th- This one from Sensing Twattery is replying uh, or commenting on your masterclass on putting from last week, Marco. Oh, okay. and, he said, and he said, can you show this to Adam Scott? He can hit every other shot in the bag without his head moving an inch <laughs> until he's hit the ball, but he finds it impossible with a putter and it drives me crazy. Yeah, well, it's funny. Uh, the masterclass that uh, Nick gave Rory earlier in the show, I reckon he could just about give the same masterclass to Adam Scott. He's got the, I call it the snakehead. Because <laughs> you know, you know that uh, rap move. You get it's the snakehead instead of the that way. So mm-hmm. Adam okay. Scott's a, a perpetrator as well. Can you never do that move ever again, please? Sorry, please. I apologise for that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, last bit of feedback here, guys, uh, from Dane uh, at Toyota. Just finished binge listening to every episode from the start. Absolutely loving the podcast, guys. Nick, I'm a fellow lefty, and I idolised you when I was a teenager when I took up the game and got the bug. I've got both your books. And I even do a pre-shot woggle. Mark, I'll be honest, I know nothing of your playing career outside of your stories in the podcast. Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, but I love your commentary and insight into the game on the Aussie tournaments whenever they're broadcast on TV and KO. Keep up the consistent episodes. I need my weekly fix to continue. That's from Dane. 
Uh, good oh, on you, Dave. I love it. Uh, yes. I think the highlight of that was the woggle rather than the waggle from Dan. That yeah. was brilliant. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you have to, you have, you've got to go back to the early 90s to have any idea what I was doing on a golf course, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, it's great stuff, Dane. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Dan. Okay, Nick, it's time for uh, other results. They've all just paled in insignificance, really, but uh, come on, there's got to be a couple of good Aussies done something. Well, yeah, there was a well, yeah, there was a couple of good results that I'll that I'll talk about, and it was more just because uh, I think the tournaments were quite fascinating on the LPGA, the Maya. LPGA Classic Irish woman Leona Maguire should have final round 64 for a two-shot win over Yow. Aria Jutanagan. That was a fantastic win for the Irish woman. But uh, on the Aussie front, uh, tied 13th for Minji Lee, uh, tied 20th for Grace Kim, who shot a final round 65. So she's really plying her trade nicely over there in the US, had got the win earlier. And the other two to make the cut on the Aussie front was Hannah Green and Steph Kuriaka, but they finished well back. Um, one result I just wanted to talk about, because we were texting about it earlier, Mark, was the Corn Ferry Tour, the Wichita mm. Open in Kansas. Mm. Ricky Castillo uh, won in a three-way playoff. And you mentioned you, you were texting me about how, how good are these college guys. I mean, they're just yep. amazing how they're coming out. But he actually defeated... Uh, in the playoff, three-way playoff with Kyle Jones, he defeated Adrian Dumont de Chassard. A, uh, I think he's French. I'll yep. have to check that one. But yes, he is. Adrian uh, got his Corn Ferry Tour status from the PGA Tour University rankings. He was third, I think, uh, on their rankings. So he gets yep. a Corn Ferry Tour card. We know that Ludwig Aberg got a PGA Tour card, finishing number one. But Adrian won last week in his opening start on tour. So you talk about college ready. Ooh. And then he had a two-shot lead with three to go, makes two bogeys, gets into a playoff and loses to Ricky Castilla, who also just made his first start, I believe, uh, on the Corn Ferry too, because he got conditional status from the university rankings. So the college system in America, folks, I tell you what, they are ready to play golf. And um, I just thought that was pretty cool uh, how these two young guys have started their careers in dramatic mm -hmm. fashion. Just, just while you're on that, and uh, a lot of people were talking about the rollback of the ball this week because of the length that, you know, we saw Rory McIlroy and probably Minwoo Lee will throw him in there, the way they were hitting the golf ball. Now, and we've mentioned this before. It's not the current players that the USGA and the RNA are worried about. They know all the numbers and how mm -hmm. fast the ball is coming off the club in college. So they're trying to protect golf courses from what is coming. This next wave of kids who have learnt from Tiger, who have learnt from Rory and have been in the gym since they were 14 years old are hitting the ball like you just can't believe. That Gordon Sargent, we spoke about him before, the way he swings the club and when you look at him in his golf clothes, he looks he looks like a high jumper to me. You know, he's got these great big long mm. legs – beautifully strong arms and shoulders, obviously flexible. And then when he swings the club, you go, how can anything possibly go wrong? And he's hit the ball a kabillion miles. And, yeah. and that's just one of them. Now, all these other guys, you know, these, that some of these other guys have turned pro and are already winning on the, on the Corn Ferry Tour. So that's why they want to roll the ball back. Yeah, it's the next generation, is it? Because they're all just being taught nowadays to hit the ball as hard as you possibly can, get as much swing speed as you can, yep. and uh, we'll figure the rest out later. Even the college recruiting system, they're just looking a lot at driving distance stats now, and that's just that's part of it for sure. But uh, obviously in golf, the beauty of it is there are other aspects to the game. But uh, if you're long these days, it certainly helps, and 
please let, let us roll back. <laughs> let us roll back the ball and also reduce the size of the driver. And I liked your your little thing a while back. You said, Mark, what was it? A, a smaller T as well. Yeah, that, well I, pinched, I, pinched, I pinched that from Nick Feldo. Nick Feldo, Feldo's yeah. idea for when you get to the pros, you can't use the great big four-inch T's or, you know, eight-centimetre T's. That one would work. I, I know that myself because I've, I've done it myself on – a, tra- a track man, you know, you teed up really, really high and you teed up very, very low. The low ball, the low tee gets the bottom of the club and it takes 15 metres off one of my drives at 104 miles per hour club head speed. So I'm with Feldo on that one and I reckon they'll, if they get smaller tees, they'll do what you want, Nick, which is a smaller club smaller head, head size. Yeah. yeah. That'll yeah. happen as I'm, well. So I'm impressed you're getting 104 mile an hour, by the way. That's cool. I'm just, uh, I'm just behind you a couple of miles behind you. <laughs> It is time for the top five, and this week it is the top five US Open golf shots in the history of this tournament. Well, as far as I can go back anyway. So it's got a little it's got a little Australian lean to it. Okay, Uh, okay. I can only imagine. It's a little Australian lean. In my head, what I think it might be, but uh, as in the top five, but you've gone down the Aussie route. I like it. Well, I've got a couple of Australians at five and four. Now, Jeff Ogilvy, yeah. his chip in on, what was it, the 16th hole? That 17. doesn't make, that 17th, that doesn't make my list because that was a fluke when he came out of that little That's a fluke. And, but what he did on 18, when he had that chip shot at the front of that green with all the nerves, knew he had to get up and down just to flick that up and then make that beautiful little curler, the four-footer down, Hands of gold in my book. So that was absolutely brilliant. So Jeff Ogilvy for the chip shot is my number five. Number four. Now, this isn't one shot, but this is a ball striking round. David Graham, when he shot uh, uh, 67 on the last day, I think he won at Marion. He missed the first fairway by an inch, but I'm going to give it to him. And he hit every other green and every other fairway for the rest of the day. So it's not one shot, but it's shot-making brilliance. And to do oh, that in the US on. Open. You're changing the rules now, this top five here, Mark. I know. I know. It's my top five. You just okay. sit there and listen, okay? <laughs> now, no, number three. It's one of the most famous pitches in golf. And there's a plaque at Marion again. And it's I think it's Ben Hogan hitting that. Mm-hmm. Some say two iron, some say one iron. I'm going to say it's a two iron. And uh, just to nail that shot, get it on the green. Did he win in a playoff after that or did he win outright? Okay, so a couple of things about that picture. Um, this is going to – you won't believe this. It was a one iron number, first of all. Yeah. And number two, I have that picture at home. Yeah, yeah, I bet. It was one of the greatest the, pictures no, of all time. No, no, no. no. I, I have the original. Yeah, do one that not. Used, the one that hangs – that used to hang in his office – uh, wherever Ben Hogan, you know, in, in Texas. Yeah. There. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, when I was living in the US, apparent, well, I hope it's the original. This is what he's told me, and this is what's written on it or on the back of it. Um, he bought it at an auction, uh, raising money. It was a charity thing. And then I did a few things for him, and he knew I was a mad golfer. So he gave it to me. Are and, you uh, when joking? I, when, when I get back home, I've got to uh, take a picture of it, and I'll show you. And uh, yeah, I've got that picture. Oh, that is Isn't ridiculous that, cool? that you've got <laughs> the picture that hung in Ben Hogan's office. That is apparently rid- ridiculous. Number two. Right. The last two, it's funny, the first three, uh, well, they weren't at Marion. Yes, they were. Hogan, Marion, David Graham. Was he at Marion when he hit that? I, I think, think it was. was. Yep. And, and Jeff Ogilvy was wing foot. Wing foot, yep. Yeah, okay. So the last two are Pebble Beach. 
pretty oh, easy. Oh, I know what's coming. But I'm going to have oh, to what? say um, you missed a couple that I love. But anyway, keep going, mate. Okay, well, you can, you can throw your two cents in, but this is mine. Tom Watson's chip-in at 17 at Pebble Beach. Incredible. That's number two? That's my number two. Wow. My, my number one, it's the same hole, 17 at yep. Pebble Beach. And it wasn't the back tees. It was the front tees, but it was such a windy day. Now, again, I don't know whether it was a two-eyed or a one-eyed, but Jack Nicholas was a one-eyed. It was a Jack one-eyed. Nich- Jack Nicholas hitting a one-eyed that hit the stick and finished one inch from the hole at 17 was the greatest shot ever hit in US Open history. Wow. But anyway, that's is it? have you got a, pro- a big call. Dan, did you hear the protest siren? It sounds like he's got a couple he wants to try and throw in there. No, well, well I, I think Nick should tell us the couple of the three. But I'd also, I, I'd be keen to know, Nick, what seeing as it's got an Aussie flavour, what shot you played in a US Open that you would think is your best shot ever in a US Open. I think that'd be interesting yeah, too. That's good. Oh, geez, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, it would have been one at Winged Foot when I had a good result there on the front nine on the Sunday. I remember striping a a long iron into this par four, which is, I can't remember which hole it was, but um, no one was making birdie there, and I just flushed like a three iron to about six feet and knocked it in for birdie, and I was thinking I was the best player on the planet at that stage. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's a very memorable one, but I just can't remember which hole, but um, anyway. How no, long did I, that three iron go, Nick? Hell, yeah, do you remember the meterage? <laughs> but, well, I know, what did Wyndham Clark uh, hit? In, he hit a seven iron from 198 yards on the last hole today, and that's probably what I had with my three iron back then. <laughs> What about uh, some of those? Did you, did you see Rory hit the four iron, 270 yards uh, to the back of the in, green? And it wasn't, even a, it wasn't even a hot four iron. It was a blade. Yeah. He hit a blade no. four iron or, or maybe the tiniest little bit of help. 270 yards to the stick and he hit it to the back of the green. No, Just that was ridiculous. But, um, no, that, that was a good top five mark. The only one I would add for myself might be Payne Stewart's putt on the final hole at um, Pinehurst, 1999. Uh, he, he, had a, he had a lesson on wife, Tracy, Tracy Stewart, just before it. She used to help him with his putting, and she said to him, Payne, you've got to keep that head still. You're not keeping your head still. And uh, sure enough, he kept it all the way down, and with about three foot to go, he looked up, and the ball was going in. It was pretty cool. Uh-huh. That's Tracy, Mike Ferguson's sister, an old uh, exactly, yeah. no, Australian golfer. Yeah, good friends with Tracy in the U.S. She just lived around the uh, around the corner from us. My wife, Alana, actually, was, she was a doubles partner in tennis, so a lovely lady. Best wishes uh, to Tracy if she's listening anyway. And Mike as well. Uh, Mike, I saw him Mike, uh, last year. Mike, what a superstar human he is. Hey, just quickly on you hitting the ball, um, not as far as the other pros, I played with a couple of people uh, on Sunday, mm. Simon Simon Ritchie and also uh, his son, uh, Harry Ritchie. And, yes, they told well. me, and they told me that your wife, Alana, hits it miles. Oh, she does. Absolutely yeah. crushes it. <laughs> they told me that she knocked it on the first. She drove the first at Cathedral. Is that right? She does. That's correct. Yeah, from the forward <laughs> touch, she knocks it on. So uh, she gives it a rip, that's for sure. Is she far behind you, Nick? Uh, she's not far off. She's not far <laughs> off, that's for sure. I'm getting a little bit worried, to be honest. She hits a tennis ball harder than I do, and she's getting closer in that regard. But uh, once she figures the putting out, I think uh, I think I might have my hands full. Right. Anyway. <laughs> Always great talking about the US Open. We've got the Women's PGA this week, which is great. We've got a, a Pebble Beach US Open coming up as well for the girls. So, so much happening in the world of golf, and it's always great to speak with you, Nick. And we'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, Mark. Cheers. Cheers. 
Nico Hearn and Mark Allen's podcast, Talk Birdie to Me, live today from Canberra and regional Victoria. We'd love you to share the podcast on your socials and tell a friend about the pod if you love it. If you don't love it, lie. Talk Birdie to Me's executive producer is Dan Bradley at Kaizen Media. Sound design, Daryl Misson at loudzebra.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.